Well, let's talk about some things this morning as uh, we head into this Easter week, the great week. It starts with Palm Sunday. Everybody recognize this is Palm Sunday? Uh, Palm Sunday, everybody familiar with the story? If you aren't, let me just say it real quick. Uh, it's basically the, the day that Jesus triumphantly enters the city of Jerusalem. It was the beginning of his end, uh, f- physically at least. He was going to die in about six days. Uh, all of his ministry, if you read through the Gospels, and we've been reading through Luke uh, the last you know, two or three months, all of his, all of his ministry kind of w- w- was directed at this time. He knew that's why he had come to earth, was to become our sacrifice. It made me uh, think about finishing this week. I don't know about you, uh, but this was, I think, an, uh, an incontrovertible truth about life. Everything has a start, a middle, and a finish. Now, I know some of you are out there, and you're smarter than me, and you're going to try to think of things that don't. So let me, let me throw out the things that I know that don't have a start. God does not have a start. He's eternal. I get that. I know that all of us don't have a finish, like spiritually speaking, because we're all going to end up one place or another eternally. All right, so I'll give you that. But look, just in the time continuum that we exist in, can we all agree that everything pretty much has a start, a middle, and a finish? Like who's been watching the basketball games? Anybody been watching March Madness at all? Okay, I played basketball in high school and college. And I would go out there for warm-ups, man, I would be hot in warm-ups. I would be just nailing them. You know, no one's guarding you, so it's easy. But, uh, but those, none of those baskets that I ever made during warm-ups ever counted towards the score. Why? Because the game hadn't started. The game starts when the two tallest guys stand in this goofy circle, and a guy with white and black stripes uh, throws a ball up in the air. It's called the tip-off. Game begins, right? Game has its middle. And then game, uh, if it's a good game, has great finishes, but uh, any sporting event, start, middle, finish. Life, did your life start somewhere? If you're not sure because it's early, let me fill you in. Yes, it did. Uh, you celebrate it once a year. It's called your birthday. Uh, we've had some, uh, you know, some blessings around here uh, just recently on our staff. Uh, Brenton and Amanda Shepard uh, welcomed their first son, Cohen, a couple weeks ago to the earth. Uh, just this past weekend, Brian and Haley Pete uh, welcomed their second child, Dylan, uh, to, to the globe, welcome, and uh, those, that's the beginning. Life has its beginning. Life has its middle. Some of us are closer to the end of the middle, uh, and not as, you know, but, but we're, all of us are in the middle of our lives, all right? Pray that we're not too close to the finish. Hope none of you finish this week. But there is coming a time, right, where we're going to be done. Went to a funeral yesterday, mourned the loss uh, of a good friend's mother with him. It happens. Uh, it's going to happen to you and me because physically we have a start, a middle, and an end or a finish. Now, sermons have a start. I'm in the middle of my start. It's going to have a middle, and sometime it's going to end. I don't, I'm not sure when. I know you like Travis because he always ends on time. Just haven't, He hasn't learned yet. I'll teach him. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, all these things, everything in life, start, middle, and even, even the stuff of life. There's lots of little starts, middles, and ends just on a daily basis, right? Like you guys got lunch hours, those start, have a middle, and have an end, right? Uh, do you have conversations? Those have a start, a middle, and an end. There's so many starts, middles, and ends. Why am I talking about all starts, middles, and ends? Because I want to talk about what's most important, at least from Scripture's perspective. It's the end, it's the end. Because here's the deal isn't it easier to start something than to finish something? Come on, who's got that project that you started three years ago and uh, the wall's still open to this day? Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
Anybody got that in their house? I'm going to get to that. Oh, honey, I promise, next weekend, I'm going to get to that. Yeah, we have all these great ideas. We start usually with a flourish, but sometimes we just don't finish well. And the Bible, the Bible actually talks a lot about that. It talks a lot about us, you know, starting well and then not finishing well. And the, the priority of Scripture is that we should finish well. It, it, would it surprise you that Howard Hendricks, a great teacher of the Bible from Dallas Theological Seminary, actually got to sit under him in a couple classes. Uh, he's gone to be with Jesus, but uh, during his lifetime, he decided he was going to read the Bible and just figure out how many people were in there. Like, like, not like the masses, the Philistines, and all the big groups, but like individuals. How many individuals are in Scripture? And he read front, you know, front to back. There's 2,981 individuals mentioned in Scripture. He says, I wonder how many of those individuals, you know, you could really deduce, you know, start, middle, end. I mean, not of their entire lives, but at least, you know, their story had a beginning. A middle. I mean, they, they were, they, their, their character was expanded in the story, and he found out there was about 100 and then he went on and he tried to figure out, well, how many of them finished well? 30. And the Bible's full of stories, cautionary tales of men and women who start well, maybe even have a good middle, but finish poorly. And I think that just is the human condition. We're great starters. But you know what God wants? He wants us not just to start well. He wants us to finish well. A lot of times it's just easier to finish rather than to finish well. Anybody with me on that? Anybody been through a painful something and been like, oh, God, please, just let it end. And whatever we have to do just to make this stop, you know, we'll do it. But sometimes it's not because whatever is going on is, is horrible and we just want it to stop. Sometimes we're just lazy. We just don't want to do whatever we're doing well. Spiritually speaking, I, I suffer from that all the time. Great intentions, mediocre middles, and then, well, not, not a whole lot of finishes, unfortunately, that would honor God. Uh, Jesus had a great start, a great middle, and a great end. Now, uh, we, uh, back at Christmas, celebrated his actual physical start, right? That's his birth. But he also had like a second start. It was when he was 30. He came out of the woods. His, his cousin John baptized him, right? That was the beginning or the start of his ministry uh, career. It was about three and a half years where he drew himself, uh, drew to himself his, his 12 and then the other circles outside of that and, and prepared them for, you know, life after he was going to be gone. They, they, they weren't really, you know, picking up what he was putting down when he talked to them about, hey, I'm not always going to be here. Uh, but he knew and, and throughout his story, we see perfection. He perfectly started. He did the middle perfectly. And here as he, uh, as we open the Bible, that we're gonna, or the portion of Scripture we're going to study today in Luke chapter 19, uh, he starts his finish well on this Palm Sunday. I think he does what he does in his last week as a reminder in great part to his disciples. Hey, it's not how we start. It's how we finish. Pay attention. In fact, a lot of his teaching during his last week uh, goes to that results-oriented or that, that, that finishing well idea. The, the parable that uh, he teaches right before he comes into town, it's a parable of these 10 minas. Minas is, a, is, a, is basically a currency. It's a, an, a, an amount of money. And there was 10 servants in this parable who were given 10 minas. And it's uh, kind of a, you know, a, 
uh, a version or another version of what he did with the three servants who were given, you know, certain amounts. And, and do you remember that, those, those parables? Basically, that some came back and they said, listen, you gave me 10, I bring you 10. I had an increase. And you know what Jesus, or the, well, Jesus is the, the, the master in the parable, but the master in the parable says to this servant, remember what he says? Well done. It never says well started. That interesting in the scripture? You never hear once anybody being commended for a good start. Well started. No, Jesus says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Another comes and says, hey, the one minor that you gave me, I made it five. Well done, my good and faithful servant. And then one, one servant comes and says, I took the one and I wrapped it up in a handkerchief because I didn't want to blow it because I know you're a austere man. You're, you know, you could, you, could, you could put me down and I didn't want to mess it up so I didn't do anything. Anybody remember what Jesus said to that guy? It wasn't well done. Yeah. Actually took from him what he'd been given and gave it to the guy with ten. Now there's this, even in Jesus' teaching, he's saying, hey man, finish well. Finish well. It matters how we finish this. Parable of the sower. Remember all the seeds? There was four seeds that got dropped. One didn't take, take root at all, but two of the seeds took root and then failed. And Jesus says, you know what, the only seed that really made a difference, the only, it's the seed that took root, stayed root, and produced a harvest of 30 and 60 and 100 fold. It's finishing, not starting, that matters to Jesus. Jesus comes at this time of his life, and he's, he's finishing well. He even takes his, his triumphal entry, and he orchestrates it in such a way, I think, so that he can teach his disciples, here's how you finish well. Four things that we're going to learn about today. We're going to answer this question. How... As Christ followers, can we know how to finish well? How, as Christ followers, be sure to finish things well? Four things, starting with this. We need to let Jesus show us his plan. Everybody here believe that Jesus has a plan for our lives? That's how I usually start out talking to someone, uh, you know, when I'm trying to share my faith with them. Do you believe there's a God? Yeah, do you believe he has a plan for your life? Maybe, maybe not. Well, he does, and then I get to explain the gospel. Our God is not this kind of haphazard, don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow, God. Now, he has a plan. He, we're in the middle of it. We're, we're, we're players in his plan. Here in Brandon, we are players in his mission and in his plan. And he wants us in our mission to finish well. We're, we're doing Rise Up today. We're going to be talking about it most of the morning. But even in that, he wants us, he's given us a plan, he wants us to finish it well. Jesus always has a plan. And his plan, just so we're clear, his plan should always supersede our plans. His plan should be the plan. And that's kind of the, the, the challenge of Christianity. Anybody notice that? Is lining my plans up with his plans. Well, let's see what Jesus does here uh, with his plan here in this last, beginning of this last week of his life. Uh, let's go to the next verses in ver- chapter 19. I know I'm skipping around up there. Here we go. When he had said these things, he had just told the parable of those minas, okay? When he said these things, verse 28, uh, he went on ahead, and going up to Jerusalem, uh, it, he was going to enter into the city. It says in verse 29, uh, when, he, when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany uh, at the mount that is uh, called Olivet, the Mount of Olives, it's just to the east of the city. I've stood on it. It's pretty amazing to look down on the, on the walls of the old city and, and say, hey, that's probably the gate that Jesus walked through. That's, that's where he entered on Palm Sunday. Uh, he stood on this mountain. He walked down this path. 
as he went into that city at the beginning of the great week. Uh, he, he's, he's standing on this mountain. He's kind of looking over the scene, kind of surveying it like a general would survey a, you know, a battlefield or a, a coach would you know, watch tape of a, of a team he's about to play. He's just watching. He's looking intently, and he calls his disciples. Hey, fellas, come here. Two of you guys, come here. Here's what I need you to do. Verse 30. I need you to go into the village in front of you, right down there. And uh, when you enter, you're going to find a colt. Other gospels teach us that it's not a horse, it's a donkey. You're going to find the foal of a donkey. Uh, and, and it's a foal that no one's ever ridden. It's a young donkey. Here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to untie it, and I want you to bring it here. Now, verse 31. Uh, if anyone asks you, hey, why, why are you untying our colt? Uh, here's, here's what you say. The Lord has need of it. Now, in our next point, I'm going to talk to you about how crazy this must have sounded to the disciples. But hold on for that, just a second. <laughs> but but he, Jesus comes to his disciples. And, and at, at, at different times in Jesus' life, uh, certainly he has direction. He's going to the, the, the Decapolis. He's going to Galilee. He's going through Samaria. He's, 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 he's got direction. But a lot of what happens to him is just kind of results, uh, you know, in, in it's, or it's reactionary. People come to him. I need healing, and so blind Bartimaeus, you're healed, or, uh, you know, there's 5,000 people, 5,000 men and their families, and, and nobody's got to eat, so, I mean, I'm not saying it was capricious or unplanned, but, but it's not like Jesus said, okay, today on the, on the docket, I'm going to walk on some water, and then I'm going to, you know, feed 5,000, and then I'm going to be in bed by 10, all right? Did anybody read that in your Bibles? No, it just kind of flows. But here at the end of Jesus' life, he's very specific. Here's what's going down. Here in this story, he says, hey, uh, I need you to go get me a donkey. In a few days, he's going to say, hey, I need you to go to this room and prepare for us the Passover. He's going to get very hands-on in this particular part of the story. If, you're, if you and I are going to finish well, we've got to understand that Jesus is a hands-on Savior, that he's... He's very specific about the things that he wants in our lives. Now, some of us, we get a paralysis by analysis. We're always trying to discern the will of God. What am I supposed to do? What should I eat? Should I have the beef burrito or the chicken burrito? I don't know. All right. <laughs> do we need to be uh, that narrow in our experience with God? No. But are there some things absolutely that God's like, no, live here, not there. Work here, not there. Marry him, not him. Are you with me on this? Some of you are like, yeah, I missed that one. Anyway, uh, no, don't think that. There's, there's things in, in life that Jesus is very specific about. And when he gives a plan, that plan must be followed if we're to finish well. It has to be followed. Anybody ever, anybody ever like realized way too late I'm outside of the plan that Jesus has for my life? Isn't that a bummer? Because you look back, hindsight's 20 20 right? That spiritual hindsight. Oh, if I had done, if I had zigged instead of zagged, man, this would have worked. But you missed it, maybe because of pride, maybe because of, of, of ignorance. I mean, whatever the reason was, you missed at least what you sensed was. Well, God, now I'm not going to, I know I talk myself into circles here. Is, is God ever, like, duped or fooled? Does he take our boo-boos and make them good? Yeah, isn't that great? Who's, who's grateful that we have a God who even when we deny him in his will, he still takes our you know, plan and, and, and works it for his good. Is anybody happy for that? All right. 
But we've all had that sense of, man, I wish I had another go at that because obviously this was the plan to me that Jesus had. Uh, I've, I've experienced that at our remodel. <laughs> uh, we're remodeling a house. Many of you have asked me about it. It's going, you know, as well as it can be going. Uh, we're, we're hoping to be in in a month, and uh, we've got great people working with us, so I, I trust that that's possible, but, you know, everything could be going faster, I guess. But... Uh, you know, what's, what's been fun about this is that uh, we had this set of plans that we're working off of. We had an architect friend of ours, did a great job. He kind of drew out the house and everything that's supposed to be where it's supposed to be. But I go over there almost daily, and I'm like, hey, you know what, that light, I know it says it's supposed to be right there, but let's put it over here. Is anybody creative like that? You know? I mean, I try not to make, you know, 45 different, you know, turns, but I'm like, I, I just love having that freedom of being like, you know, this is our house, and, and most of us buy our houses, and it's already done. I mean, this is like a shot for me to be like, hey, I want that. There, not there. I want that light switch. I mean, even light switches. Don't put it by that door. Put it by this door because obviously it's going to be better over there, right? Now, there's some of those things that you can do. When you're remodeling your house, you have some latitude. But then there are some things that when I come to my general contractor and I say, hey, can we make that window bigger? He says, yeah, if you want your house to fall on your head. Now, I don't understand engineering, uh, I don't, and, and sometimes they'll say, yeah, if you want to, you know, the, the county to come out here and slap you with a huge fine, sure. He just talks to me straight like that. There's all these codes, whether it's engineering or whether it's county, that you can't, you can't go against them. That's the standard. So you have this latitude, and then you have the standard, the plan. What we need to understand is, as we go through life, not just in our finishes, but in our starting and our beginning, we, we, we have some latitude, but then there's the things that God says, that, that Jesus says, hey, this is the plan. You've got to do it this way so that I can provide for you, so that I can protect you, so that, I, so that life can be life to the full like I promised you. And when we do that, when we submit to those plans, when we stay within his code, life goes as it's meant to go. Uh, I think I've confessed this to you, but I'll confess it again. Uh, I wasn't exactly in step with God when it came to erasing our debt. I I knew early on in my career here, 10 years I've been with you, uh, that we needed to tackle our debt. But here's what happened. When I got here at the the first of of us being here, the church was in a lot of flux. There had been a lot of hurt because of... You know, the way things had transitioned with our previous leader. He's doing a lot better now, but, but it was a hard time. Anybody remember that? Who was here? Anybody remember that? And so I, I felt like, man, we gotta, we got to heal in certain areas. And, and so we did, and, and, and we stabilized and did some great things. And, and I, I sensed it, you know, in my leadership and, uh, that, that Jesus was saying, hey, man, tackle the debt. Tackle the debt. It's always going to be something that holds you back in the other areas of your vision uh, until you're freed up from this. You can't do these. So tackle the debt. And I was like, well, you know. And I just don't know how the crowd's going to respond to me talking about, you know, retiring debt. Usually when you do a campaign, you're building something, you know, so that they can see the bricks and mortar go up. That's really exciting. Woo-woo, right? But, you know, tackle debt. Uh, so I kept putting Jesus off. I was like, hey, here's a better plan. Here's how we'll do it. We'll just grow, grow, grow until we have more and more people giving. And then as more and more people come, you know, we'll have more and more people giving, and, and that'll, that, that's, that's how we'll get. And so we grew some, absolutely. But do we grow enough? to do anything substantial with our debt? No. Oh, we'll do this. We'll do that. And the years kept ticking off. And then finally, seven years in, it's like, all right. And I went to our leadership and I said, we got to do something about this debt. 
It was starting to crush me and my, uh, my creativity and my, my passion. Because every time we'd come up with ideas, I'd be like, can't afford it. We've got to pay off our debt. And I'm like, well, bug it. Let's pay it off. And then we rolled it out two years ago. Remember that? And uh, obviously, uh, it was Jesus' plan because we've been knocking it out. Uh, in the last two years, we've taken $2.8 million off our debt. In the same time, we have had the highest giving years ever to our general fund. Does everybody understand the miracle that that is? It's unbelievable. And I sit in my office some days and I'm like, sorry, because I just wasn't courageous enough to head in what I knew was Jesus' plan. Forgive me for that. But I'm glad we're here now. And I'm glad we're going to go crashing through the finish line of this thing. And that we're going to be done and we're going to be unleashed to the visions that God has for us in our future. It's going to be great. But how does that happen? Yeah, God. How does that happen? How did that even start? A pastor has to get in line with the plan. How's finishing well going to work in your life? You and I have to get in line with his plan. So Jesus says, go buy, go, go get, doesn't say buy, he says, go, go steal this donkey. Now, just so, okay, so the next thing we're going to learn is this. <laughs> the next thing we're going to learn is that you've got you to know what Jesus' plan is, but you also have to have faith and courage to execute the plan, because the plan will sound crazy sometimes. Who's ever been there? Jesus says, hey, do this, and you're like, whoa, what I thought you just said was, do this. And that sounds crazy. So how about we do this? Like, don't you think the disciples asked that that day? Okay, fellas, you're going to go into that town right down there. There's a donkey just out there grazing in the field. I want you to take it, and if anybody asks you why you're taking this donkey, just say to them, hey, man, the Lord needs it. That's, that's your password. It's going to work. Okay, that'd be like me saying to Greg, Greg, there is a red Escalade parked at the mall. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to go down to the mall, and I want you to just you know, take your, your, your bar, and I want you to just pop it out, and then I want you to hotwire the red Escalade and when the owner of the Red Escalade, who's a manager at JCPenney, comes running out and starts banging on the window saying, you're stealing my car! Here's what I want you to tell him. The Lord needs it. <laughs> Is everybody with me now on how crazy this must have sounded? Like sometimes we read our Bibles and we over-Bible them. Okay, Jesus just told his disciples to commit larceny. That mean, if you're just putting it on its face, that's what he said. Now, we don't know if Jesus had talked to the guy ahead of time. He was testing his disciples. We don't, listen, he's God. He's the son of God. He can orchestrate things. But he tells his disciples, go steal a farm animal. And his disciples have a choice, just like they've always had a choice. How many times have the disciples been told, uh, uh, do this, and it's like, what? Well, uh, Jesus, you've got to send them all away. There's no way we can feed them. What do we got? We've got some Lunchables. Bring it to me. All right, everybody hold hands. I'm going to pray. We're going to bless this, and we're going to feed, you know, the Tampa Bay Arena. And they got to be like going, what? What's he talking about? All right, we'll pray. And then they wake up, and it's fish sandwiches for everybody. All right? They've had, they've had experiences over and over again where they've seen Jesus come through. And so for them, because they've had these experiences, they're like, all right, cool. I guess we're going to steal a donkey. Why? Because their courage had been buoyed by their faith. Don't, don't ever think that, that courage and faith can operate without each other. 
You, you can't have courage without faith. If you don't believe in what Jesus has called you to do, you're not going to stick your neck out there and go do it. But if you believe, well, that will give you the courage to go as Jesus instructs. That's what we see as happens. Look, it says in verse 32. So those who were sent away, uh, they, oh, I'm sorry, is that where it was go? So those who were sent away, oh, they found, yeah, here we are. How's it going? How's your sermon going? <laughs> so those who were sent away and found uh, it just as, as it had been told them, there's the donkeys, just like Jesus said, there he is, okay. Verse 33, and as they were untying the colt, here he comes, the owners, hey! Like that's not what it says there. Like, like you might have heard this in Sunday school, why are you untying my colt? That's not how he said it. I mean, your lady teacher or your guy teacher was a sweet person, I'm sure, but that's not what was said here. This was, I'm, I'm guessing, said with, with vigor. <laughs> what are you doing? And this is what the disciples said. Password, the Lord has need of it. And the Bible tells us that they brought the donkey to Jesus. And they put their coats on it so that he had a, a saddle to ride on. And they set Jesus on it so he could ride it in town. Yeah. That courage and faith, huge players in us becoming all that Jesus wants us to become. He's going to ask us to do things sometimes that just don't make sense. And the question is, are we going to be willing to follow him? I can't tell you that I've done it 100%, but the times that I have done it, uh, here's what I've understood and found out. That, that Jesus will never ask me to do it unless he will see me through it. He won't, he won't ask me to do it unless he'll see me through it. I mean, that's just a basic principle of the Christian life. But he doesn't ever ask us to do things that he won't empower us and enable us to do. When it came to Rise Up, I think I've told you the story before. Eleanor and I were wanting to kind of set the tone for our church. And we don't, you know, I don't have a T-shirt with the number I gave on it or anything like that. But we, we just said we wanted, to, we wanted to be faith examples for everybody in our church. And so uh, we started what we, we thought we could afford, and we crossed that number out. Because that's if you, if you can afford it, is there a lot of faith that goes into that? Not really, right? So we crossed that number out, and then uh, we doubled it. Okay, that, that, that got scary. And then we added 50% more to that. And then it got really weird. And I remember I told Eleanor that, and I said, okay, this is what I think we're going to give. And she just looked at me, and she's, like, and she's a woman of faith. Don't get me wrong. But her initial reaction, she was like, really? All right, Cool. Uh, we don't have that, and we have no, no hope to have that, really, in our, our budget, right? Because you know we have kids going to college and da-da-da-da-da at the time. Those, those were all things in our future. But if you think, you know, you think we can do it, if that's what God's calling us to do, I was like, yeah, man, let's just see what happens. So we put the number down. And I had figured out, you know, what I could afford. Does anybody ever do that when you're giving? Well, here's what I know I can do. So I, so I just started with that. I went to our savings. I took out the big chunk that was going to be our first gift, plopped it down. All right, Lord, I wore it out. That's all I got. I mean, I think you want our kid to study in college, so we're going to, you know, at least for now, keep that where it is. But, but there was our savings. God bless you. <laughs> and off we go. Uh, but, but throughout the year, uh, things started happening. You know, $1,000 came from here, and, and some money came from here. At Christmas, in the first year of our Rise Up experience, uh, we sat down at the, our Christmas tree, and, uh, 
Uh, every year, uh, my, my, my in-laws, my mom and dad, uh, May, uh, had given us a, a card with a check in it for us to go and buy what we wanted or have a dinner together, usually about 100 bucks for, for us as a couple. Nice gift, right? Would you be happy to have 100 bucks? I, I was always ecstatic. But it was the same card and same gift every year. Somebody got one of those at the Christmas tree? Like, you know, you know from Aunt Bunny, you're going to get socks. She just always gives socks, right? So you don't even have to open it. You just leave it over there. And that's kind of what I'd done with the card. I just, I knew it was going to be us going out to dinner, and I was grateful and thankful, but I just saved it for last, opened the other things that I wasn't sure of, and then I got to the card. I opened the card, and uh, Mom had gone to be with the Lord just the year before, and so Dad was given the gifts this year, and I opened the card, and, and the check read $10,000. And, okay, so a couple things happened. First of all, I wanted to go real quick online and scan it and get it in my bank. Has anybody ever done, you know, I mean, in case it was a typo, you know, let's just get it in there. Let's just, we could sort it out later, but let's just get it in there. But I showed it to Eleanor, and she, she I mean, she had the same reaction. She's like, Dad, she, and she, Christmas stopped for a second. Dad, do you, do you know what, oh, oh, and my dad, you got to know my dad. He's just awesome. My father-in-law, he's just been here for three weeks. He's just an amazing man. And he's just so matter-of-fact about it. Oh, yeah, I had this CD come due, and, you know, my needs are more than taken care of. And, and you know, I was going to just put it in a bank account. It's going to sit there. You know, so I just took the CD, and I split it between you and your brother and sister. And, and so, you know, I don't know what you need to do, but, you know, I just thought you'd want to have that. Thought we'd want to have that? Yeah, how about one of those a week, bro? But we took that check, so that, that was, I don't know when Christmas was, but the next Sunday, we just, boop, boop, done with Rise Up. Isn't that amazing? And when you step out in faith, I'm not saying it happens every time. Some of you, you had a, you know, those kind of hopes in your Rise Up, and it didn't work out like that. But listen, Jesus always gives enough for his plan to be accomplished. Isn't that true? Always. It's incontrovertible. So if you're in step with his plan, you have the courage and faith to walk in his plan, He'll see that it gets done. So he's got a donkey now. They stole, they successfully stole a donkey. And we're going to see that the next part is something that we have to remember, beginning, middle, and end. This is something that just, here's what we do as Christians. As we, as we head towards a finish and finishing well, uh, we need to be willing to rejoice, to praise God uh, in, in the midst of his plan. Isn't that true? Like, uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes I, my, my, my rejoice-o-meter can kind of, you know, wane and dip a little bit. I can start feeling sorry for myself. I can start feeling a little disillusioned. I can have these doubts, these you know, misgivings as to, you know, is God involved? Is it... Here's what the Bible says. Rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. And then it says it again. And again, once you've done it always, he's getting hyperbolic here, but then after you've done rejoicing always, again I say, rejoice. So do it. It's like infinity plus one. Do it always and then do it again. What's the Bible writer t- telling us? What's the Holy Spirit saying? He's saying, hey, man, in all things, praise be to God. In all things. God is good all the time. So even when things aren't good, God is good. Even when the plan takes a detour, you're like, what? I thought we were on this plan together. You didn't tell me this was going to be hard. You didn't tell me it was going to cost this. You didn't tell me it was going to cost that. Yeah, when those things come, 
focus on Jesus. Let us run this race with perseverance, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Focus on Jesus. Praise be to Jesus. Every day, just so you know, every day is a Palm Sunday. Every day is dropping your cloak on the ground for Jesus to walk on and waving your palms, waving your branches, man. That's every day that you and I live in. Every situation that you and I face, that is the Christian existence. It's rejoicing. Not fake, not Christianese rejoicing, not Christian radio rejoicing. I'm talking rejoicing. Core. Confident that my God is good and forever will I praise him. Look what happens at Palm Sunday. You know the story. It tells us in verse 36 that as he rode along, uh, people took their cloaks off and they laid them on the ground. Just so you know, this was a, 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 a very strong image uh, from the Old Testament. A, a king named Jehu was a, was a savior king. They had, Israel had suffered under a king named Ahab for years. He was a horrible king. And finally, he's overthrown and Jehu comes in. And Jehu, uh, at, at his coronation, all of the, the followers of Jehu, all of the Israelites who were there for that event, took their coats off and they laid it before Jehu as a sign of their servitude to him. He was their new king, their royalty. And so that's why the cloaks came off. Every, every good Israelite would have been like, oh, Jehu. It doesn't tell us this in Luke, but they, they, they went and they cut branches off and they waved those. Uh, it's a part of the Maccabean, uh, you know, period of the Israel history, but, but the palm branch is, the, is the, the national leaf, if you want to call it, like the Canadians got the maple leaf, the Israelites got the palm branch, and they were just lauding Jesus as their king, praising him, not fanning him or anything, just, but just praising him, and Jesus walks down the road on the cloaks of these people. He, he, he's, he's listening to them say these things. Look what it says in verse 37. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mall of Olives, the, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. These guys were reflecting on the, you know, the, the year, the two years, or the three years, or the three and a half years they'd spent with Jesus, and it was just this culmination of celebration. Here he comes, the water walker, the, 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 the leper healer, the sight giver, the great teacher, here he comes. In verse 38, it tells us what they said. It says, they, they quoted a, a very common greeting at the Passover time. He said, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, that's, that's basically a take from a psalm that says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And if you and I were passing each other as Jews in Israel at Passover, that's how we'd say, what's up? That's how we'd say, Hi. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Because we'd all be coming to Passover to, to remember and celebrate uh, the God that we worshiped. They, they did a little twist on it, though. You see that? Blessed is the what? Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. They reprised the Christmas song. The angels sang to the shepherds, peace in heaven. It was peace on earth back then, right? but peace in heaven and glory in the highest. You remember what the shepherd's saying? Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Remember that? Yeah, you see the book ends there? Jesus started well. Jesus is finishing well. And his people are giving him praise. How are you doing with that? How am I doing with that? Here's what my hope for us this week is as I move on to the finish here. My hope this week is that you and I will pray that God would help us take our cloaks off and wave our branches. 
Every day I wake up, God, help me to remember to throw my cloak down for you in celebration of you, to wave my branch for you in celebration of you. I don't know how you start your days. I usually just try to make it to the bathroom. Is anybody with me on that? That's probably too much information. But that's how I start my day. But you know how I want to start my day? I want to start my day on my knees, by my bed, saying, thank you, God. Praise you, God. First thing that happens is what I want it to be. The last thing that happens before I put my head uh, on my pillow, say goodnight, I don't know what you're worried about. I'm usually sorting through what just happened at the house that day, trying to remember all the things I got to accomplish in the morning. Do you know what my heart is? My heart is the last thing I say is, God, praise be to you. Great things you have done. Shouldn't that be the condition of our hearts as his followers? I think so. The last thing we see here is this. We need to refuse to give up on his plan. We need to see his plan. We need to have faith and courage to accomplish his plan. We need to rejoice in the midst of his plan. But we got to, man, we got we to gotta stay strong. We got to keep going. Jesus is walking into town, and of course, here they come, the Pharisees. They always got something to say. Here's what they say. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Tell them to stop. I don't know who organized this parade. Jesus like, I did. But it's got to stop, and, and there's lots of discussion as to why they were doing that. Maybe the Pharisees were concerned about, concerned about civic unrest, you know, if there's this there's this big scene outside the cities during a, a, a huge time of the year like Passover where there's hundreds of thousands of Jews here in this outpost of the Roman Empire. You know, the Romans are going to get kind of uppity and they're, they're going to come in and want to, you know, make sure that, well, this ends. So stop it before they do that. Others think the Pharisees just, you know, stay in company line. They just don't like Jesus and they don't like anybody liking Jesus. So uh, they come to this carpenter from Nazareth and they ask him one more time, hey, stop it. You're making a mockery of us and our faith. Did Jesus stop the parade? No. As you were, gentlemen, this is what he says to them. He answered, listen, I tell you, if these, were, if these who are following me right now were silent, there'd still be a parade because you know, you know why? See all these rocks? Israel is just all rocks, just so you know. There's just hardly any dirt. It's just rocks everywhere. And so he's pointing along the rocks down this road. He says, you know what? If these guys weren't, weren't, weren't praising me, the rocks would. So don't mind us, but we're going to head into town. Yeah. Uh, if, if you read the Gospels, you're going to see Jesus over and over defending his disciples and their acts. Why? Because he wants his disciples to follow him, not them. And that's what we need to remember, that Jesus wants us to follow him, not them. When he gives us a plan, see it through. When he gives us a plan, see it through. That's what we're doing today with Rise Up. We're, we're starting this last year, and our hope is to see this plan through. And, and to not wane, and to not, well, we could do this, you know. No, just, let's just see it through. My, my son Cooper, <laughs> he decided when we first moved here he wanted to play baseball, so we signed him up in North Brandon Little League. I was so excited. I just want any of my kids. And, and Ben played some basketball in junior high, and Kai... I tried a few different sports. That was funny. But, uh, uh, and not because she wasn't good. She was a talented athlete. But she's, you know, all my kids, are just, that's not their thing. So she, she, just, she made us laugh when she played more than she, uh, you know, whatever. Sorry. I digress. So Cooper's playing baseball. Is that what I was talking about? So Cooper's playing baseball. I'm so excited. I love baseball. Love it. And I would love to have a, you know, 
uh, one of my kids play it. I would, I would have loved to have gone to the park, you know, over and over again. Uh, so, so we're there. Finally, one of my kids is playing baseball, and he's signed up. And he goes out to the first game, stands in right field. It's hot, you know, Florida, sun beating on him. He's getting all sweaty, and he doesn't like that. And he gets up to the plate three times and strikes out every time. He doesn't like that. And he comes out of the dugout after the game. What's he say to me? I don't want to play anymore. So I said, okay, that's fine. And then we didn't go back. Is that what I did? No. I said, here, come here, buddy. You're playing. Now, I, and it's because you've got to finish. If you start something, you've got to finish. Later in the season, I found out he just wanted the uniform. I was like, I could have bought you the uniform, you little bugger. Would have saved me some money even, right? But it, but it, it reminded me of something I heard lately, the conversation I have with Coop. This pastor, Crawford Loritz, he has a pastor's son now. His name's Brian, and Brian relates the story uh, of his, you know, athletic years with his dad. And his dad used to come to the field when his sons were playing football, and he would announce to everybody at the field in front of, you know, telling his kids, he'd say, listen, I pay so you stay and you play. And here's what Crawford Loritz was saying. Hey, if I'm, if I'm stroking the check and we're paying for you to play football, you're playing the whole season. I don't care if you get your head knocked off. You're getting back in there. And just so you know, if I'm paying for you to be a part of this league, I want you on that field. I'm not paying for you to sit on the bench. You better excel at this thing. Because if we're going to invest in this, I need your all. Jesus comes to the end of his life. It's the beginning right here, right? The story of his entry into the city. But all through his ministry years, he's been teaching his disciples this. Hey, man, I have come for one specific purpose. I've come to pay. But when I pay, here's my expectation. My expectation is that you will stay. You'll stay with me. No matter what comes. We're going to walk through this together. It's going to get tough. The plan's going to get tough. But if I pay, you stay and you play. If you haven't understood that about the Christian faith, if your idea of the Christian faith is, hey, I got my fire insurance, and I'm just going to live my life until Jesus comes back and takes me home, that you don't understand the Christian faith. I would even question if you have the Christian faith, not to rock your world on that, not to get all theological, but here's the deal. If you understand that much has been paid for, then you understand that your gratitude should show it, that your life should reflect it. And then when Jesus gives us a plan, gives you specifically a plan, you follow it and refuse to diverge because Jesus paid. The band's going to come out. We're going to sing a song together as we take one last offering today. If you remember, uh, I told you uh, in preparation for this that uh, there's there's four kinds of people in our our room. There's people who are already uh, participating in Rise Up, and you may want to stay that way or maybe, you know, change the amounts as we finish up here in the end of the year. Uh, there's people who aren't going to be a part of Rise Up. We still love you anyway. There's people uh, who, who've gotten here since Rise Up started. You've never been a part. There's people who start with us in Rise Up, and life happened, and you haven't been able to do what you'd hoped to be able to do. Here's, here's our hope today. Our hope today is to get an idea as to who's going to be with us as we finish out retiring our debt. Uh, that by faith, we'll step into God's plan for our church to be debt-free. That will signify how we're going to accomplish that. You're going to have those cards to give. You can give monetary gifts in this offering. There should be some pens if you haven't filled out those cards. Those cards are in your, uh, 
uh, your bulletins. And I'm just asking, even if you are in the middle of, uh, of giving, even if you've already finished giving to Rise Up, whatever you're doing, if you would just indicate for us so that we can have an idea. We've been praying for this day so that we can know where we're going. And uh, we're just going to be grateful for whatever God does. Amen. So we're going to sing this song. It's a song about the faithfulness of our God. A song about the fact that when he makes a plan, he, he, he finishes his plan. It's we're faithful to him and accomplishing it. And I want to thank you ahead of time for all that you're doing for Rise Up. May God bless us in this endeavor as we sing this. Amen. Started the sermon talking about what we believe. We believe in the Father. We believe in his only son. And we believe that God is faithful. So that when he gives us a plan, he'll walk us through it. When he gives us a challenge to be out of debt, he'll, he'll, he'll make us out of debt. It's just us coming with faith and courage. Us persevering and refusing to quit on the plan. That's what makes everything happen. I pray that for your, your own lives, your marriages, your families. God's plan would be realized in them. I pray that for our church. I'm so grateful to be part of a place where the people believe that and embrace that, that together we can do more and we can accomplish God's plan as he empowers us to do so. We pray and ask God for those things. Let's pray and ask God for those things. Lord, that's our prayer this morning. We thank you that you're faithful, that you're never changing. That there's, there's nothing that we have in life to fear when you are with us. We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And God, as we seek to live this life, walking hand in hand with you on, on the path that you've, you've provided each one of us, we, we, we just ask you to help us to see that plan, to have the courage to walk with you on it and the faith to stay with you in it. God, lead us to rejoicing. Help us to remember to praise you and thank you for all that you are and all that you've done. And then God, make us steadfast. Give us perseverance and strength. When the going gets rough, God, lead us through those storms. Because on the other side, we'll be more like you. That's our heart. We just want to be more like you, less like we were. Grant us that, God. Make us a church that's strong and mighty in its faith accomplishes great things in your name and for your name's sake we pray these things in Jesus name. Everybody said amen. Thank you for coming to church this morning. God bless you as you go and have a great week. We'll see you at Easter.